Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, the Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Alliances, a networking community that brings together some of the best and brightest minds from around the world. If you want to bring your network and net worth to the next level, Alliances could be the missing piece you've been seeking. With weekly private roundtables, regular deal-making meetings, and uniquely inspiring and informative events, Alliances offers an experience unlike any you've ever had before. To learn more, visit eliances.com. That's E-L-I-A-N-C-E-S dot com. Alliances, the only place where entrepreneurs align. My guest today is Jared Kamrowski. Jared is the founder of Thrifty Traveler, the leading source for flight deals, cheap travel tips, and learning how to maximize travel rewards. Jared honed his travel skills by traveling over 100 nights a year as a CPA. He left his job in 2017 and now runs Thrifty Traveler full-time with a team of eight and normally flies over 100,000 miles per year. You can catch him flying the fanciest first-class cabins as well as budget airlines, paying only pennies on the dollar. Jared resides with his wife, Erica, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Jared. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. So to get started, I'd love to hear what made you make that switch from CPA to travel expert? Yeah, really what it came down to is I just looked at my life and I was like, what is the thing that I most enjoy doing? And I, and it was really just traveling and my wife loved travel. But the, the problem was I came out of college and I was broke like many college students and I just looked for ways how to travel on the cheap. Um, and I think that's really where I honed my skills. And yeah, for work, I was traveling over 100 nights a year all over the U.S. And I was able to pick up a lot of tips and tricks along the way. I and mean, I was I was kind of maximizing credit card travel rewards. And then friends and family started asking me, well, how do you do this? So I started the blog. And yeah, today we, uh, we're we soon going to have 10 full-time employees, which is pretty exciting over the course of six or seven years. Wow, that's amazing. So before we jump into all the tips and tricks helping our listeners, I just got to know what have been some of your favorite places to visit over the last decade? Yeah. Oh, man. So some, my wife loves cities. I love like the mountains. We went on our, we went a couple times to Oktoberfest in Munich. And I love, I like Munich, but I love the mountains of Bavaria in Southern Germany. There's some national parks down there. That's my favorite thing. Some good food, some beer, and some good scenery. Oh, sounds amazing. They've got some epic scenery up there. They do. 
So what are your favorite and best kept travel secrets? Just to start it off, if you're going to be looking for cheap flights, the number one thing you can do is we always say to, we have what's called a flight first rule. So it's rethinking the way you book travel. So instead of booking a hotel or a cruise or a tour, book the flight first. That's what we're all about at Thrifty Traveler. And the whole point of that is the flight can be your most expensive part of your trip. So if you book that first and you're flexible with your dates, you can save so much money, especially on a, you know, even if it's a domestic trip, you can save $200, $300. And on an international trip, you might be able to save $500 or more. So that's our big thing. Book your flight first, use Google Flights to book and book directly with the airline. So I know Google Flights has been around for a long time. There's still so many people who don't know and use Google Flights. And it's just one of the absolute best tools to uh, find the cheapest fare possible. So you'd say Google Flights over all the other stuff that's out there. There's been so, such a huge cottage industry over the last decade from Kayak to Hipmunk. And, and then there's plen plenty of come and gone. But you think Google Flights, bar none, way to go now? Yeah, yeah. Over the years, it's just, I would say, especially in the last uh, two to three years, it's become the, really the gold standard. If you use Google Flights... And then you go back to some of those other tools. It's just really not the same. And Google, I think just one of the most key important things is you can quickly use Google Flights to book directly through the airline. You don't book through a third party like Kayak, Priceline, or Hopper, or Skyscanner. You book directly with the airline, especially because of COVID. It's so important to just be able to pick up the phone and talk directly to the airline and not have to go through a third party. Mm. Yeah, that definitely sounds a lot easier. Yeah, it's been really amazing seeing some of the flight deals. Like we have a, a neighborhood Facebook group where I live and there's a guy in there who his Facebook name is the Sky King. And just randomly every three, four weeks, he'll post some just absolutely bonkers deal. And about a month and a half ago, he was like, hey, flights from Phoenix to Japan are $230. And I was like, and they're normally like $1,200. And I was like, oh, even if I don't end up going, like I have to buy this, like I have to do it. And of course, Japan is like super closed down because of COVID. So I was like, I'll shoot for like later in the year and we'll see what happens, but it's even refundable. But, you know, and then he was posting stuff like Barcelona for 300 bucks. I'm just like, oh my God, how's this happening? This is amazing. Like what a perfect time to get in these like amazing travel deals. Yeah, the Sky King gets it. No, yeah, those fares, those American and United fares to to Japan were just insane. And it's just, it's so wild how fares like that pop up for, it was like three days. And then ever since then, there's been really nothing even close to that. That's what we're really about at Thrifty Traveler, thriftytraveler.com. Um, we're all about finding those secret flash sales and then let our subscribers and followers uh, know about them. So in terms of the flight first, you also, it's even more like the destination first somewhat. You're just like, hey, just go and find the cheapest flights. If you're open to different destinations, like then you can just be traveling all over the world for a few hundred bucks or something. Yeah, and that's exactly it. So like you brought up the Tokyo, uh, Japan deal, you might not have planned in the next year to go to Japan, but it's like not for 200 <laughs> bucks from Phoenix, I can't afford, you know, not to. So that's, we always say another one of our things is let the cheap flight be your guide and keep an open mind because when are you going to be able to go to Japan for 200 bucks again? Uh, exactly. I'll be honest with you. It's not going to come around very often. <laughs> yeah, I probably need another global pandemic. So I'll pass on that part. Agreed.
So what are the best travel rewards programs people should be involved in? Is it there, are there certain credit cards? Should people just be going straight for the airline programs, hotel programs? Like how should people manage all that? And are there things that people can do? To, are there services that can manage some of that for them? Yeah, great question. We like to keep it really simple over at Thrifty Traveler. You'll see on Instagram or TikTok, like people flying business and first class and making it seem like it's super easy. And for the most part, most normal people, that probably just doesn't make sense. But what does make sense is, yeah, utilizing credit card travel rewards to get a free domestic or international economy ticket. And that's super easy and doable for almost anyone. So yeah, some of the, our favorite credit cards and programs, just trying to get a big signup bonus so you can you know book a cheap cash flight for free. That's our big thing. So like the Chase uh, Sapphire Preferred Card has like a big 80,000 point bonus right now. And that's in the uh, Chase Ultimate Rewards program, which is a great strong program where you can just go to Chase's site through the Chase portal. And essentially if you had found that Tokyo deal, you could have booked that through the Chase portal for, you could have booked that for 10,000 ultimate rewards points. So that's like the big thing is finding a cheap flight and then using points and miles to book it for free. That's our big thing. And we're all about, again, like I said, making it super easy. And obviously if you find a really cheap flight and then you use points and miles, because it's already cheap, that will then require less points and miles, which allows you to stretch those out. And so how do you feel? What are your recommendations around like buying miles specifically or when you're on either a domestic or a cross-country flight or an international flight? And then the flight attendants will come down and be like, okay, we got like this magical offer. Here's 50,000 miles. How do you gauge and how should customers gauge those offers, whether they're a good deal? Yeah, that's a great question. You'll see offers to buy miles. Those are almost never a good deal. And for the most part, most of those sites that are selling miles, they're just trying to make money off of you. And yeah, buying miles, that's not going to be the ticket. That's just going to get expensive for you. For the most part, generally, it's just not going to be a good deal. Yeah, the big thing is trying to snag one of those 50, 60, 100,000 mile signup bonuses. That's, that's the ticket. And trying to decide, is it a good deal or not? I, if you're on a plane and they're handing out the little brochure for, for the offer, definitely go home and spend even 15 minutes researching that offer. You know, is that one of the highest offers there's ever been, or is it an increased offer right now? What's the annual fee? And does it make sense? Cause you don't want to just, the airlines are hoping you sign up right away, but definitely do your research because yeah, you don't want to be signing up for, you know, a subpar offer. You definitely want to get one of those best bonuses if you can. And also, just to add on to that, definitely don't apply for a, an airline credit card on maybe an airline you don't really like that much, like Spirit. Probably Spirit Points, <laughs> not something you want. And I know there's so many uh, different airlines, US Airlines, American, Delta, United, and we all have our preferences. If you like the airline, you fly them a lot, I say go ahead, pick up their credit card and, and hopefully book some flights for free. Yeah, I can't think of like a company, it's definitely not a travel company off the top of my head that has like a lower net promoter score than Spirit. I continue to always see posts from friends on Facebook and, and even veteran travelers. And they'll just be like, I told myself I would never fly Spirit and then I did it once and I will never do it again. And then it's just like a, a huge list of comments of like, never fly Spirit, never fly Spirit. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> because it's in regardless of the actual terrible customer service and other experience it actually usually ends up being more expensive because they nickel and dime you on like some of them say they nickel and dime you on the air you breathe 
Yes. And I feel like everybody has to do it at least once to just have that perspective. <laughs> and I'm very serious about this because then you can come to appreciate I fly Delta mostly domestically. And I will for sure pay more money to fly Delta. That's my preference because yeah, like you said, a lot of those budget airlines, once you add up everything, it a lot of times can be almost the same price or more expensive than maybe flying American or Delta United. And man, that's a huge difference in the level of service and just your flight experience overall. So you, you got to crunch the numbers and, and compare for sure. And what kind of advice do you give around, I'm thinking of things like Ryanair, something in Europe where you might take a regular U.S. carrier to get to another country or continent, but then you can either use whether it's high-speed rail or whether it's local airlines and stuff that can actually make your dollar go a lot further. Yeah, and that is a great question because I'm just, I'm making fun of Spirit, but yet when I do go to, when I do go to Europe, I for sure do fly Ryanair. I do fly EasyJet. And it is a garbage experience usually, and they do nickel and dime you. <laughs> but I have to be honest, it's just so cheap. It is so cheap. And as long as you follow the rules to a T, printing off your, your boarding pass before you get there, checking in before you get there, and so you don't get hit with fees. And my God, the fees are even worse than spirit. But it is the cheapest way to get places. My preference, of course, is high-speed rail, but just that can be not the cheapest. So that's always the... The balance, right? It's price versus comfort and how much time is it going to take? And those are the, those are the things you just, you need to make some mistakes along the way, figure out what makes sense, you know, for you. Cause maybe flying spirit of frontier, maybe that's your thing and that's okay. But if you want to be comfortable, you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more. Oh, definitely true of pretty much every area of life. So Jared, I love to know. How do you see travel changing over the next decade? And are there some certain spots you think are going to blow up as like the next big thing? I know Tulum had its moment over the last like decade or so, and then it's kind of been like overrun. Like it's not really much different from Cozumel or something in terms of just a ton of tourists. But what are you looking forward to in the decade ahead? Yeah, so I, I will tell you with the, with what we've just come out with and its impact on travel. Right now, domestic travel in the United States is just booming. Airlines are almost back to, almost we're like 80 to 90% of norm for domestic travel, which is pretty crazy. International travel is for sure going to be slow to, to resume, but I know just uh, from what we're seeing anecdotally and we're reading from government data, national parks are absolutely booming here in the United States. Travel to Hawaiian Islands, to Phoenix, to to Florida and just general and stuff has been booming. And I, I do see that through the end of, of 2021, that is going to continue. And we're talking about, you brought up Tulum and, and travel to other places internationally. It's just going to take some time before we even see where, what does that look like? Because airlines are going to start finally adding more nonstop flights uh, abroad, but right now they're so focused domestically. And as hopefully COVID cases continue to decrease, the world will open up back again. I know I'm going with my wife to Iceland this week, and I am very excited. It's my first time leaving North America since 2019, but even oh, wow. that is, is complicated. I'm vaccinated, but I still have to have a test on arrival. And then when we depart to return to the United States, we have to have another test and we are fully vaccinated. So now these are the kind of things that at this current time 
are expected of international travelers. And for a lot of people, that's a lot to ask. They don't have the option of writing off for a business expense for a COVID test like we do. And and adding a hundred dollar or, or so cost to a trip can be pretty cost prohibitive. So I think there's no question international travel is going to be coming back later this summer and into the fall and winter. But right now, yeah, domestic travel is where it's at. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We do have such an incredibly diverse country ecologically. Yeah, you come somewhere like Phoenix and just drive up the Grand Canyon, like less than a six hour drive, or whether it's Utah, Pacific Northwest. I'm from New Hampshire originally, so it's growing up one of the most forested and mountainous states we have. There's so much beauty just to experience within the U.S. that people end up taking for granted. So yeah, I think we do. There is a bit of a moment in terms of like people like reabsorbing how amazing uh, the beauty in this country is. It is. If you're going to be stuck within one, you know, the borders or the confines of one country, this is this is a heck of a country to be stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. My wife and I just went to or just traveled north of Phoenix for our first time a couple of months ago. And even in the state of Arizona, I mean, Flagstaff, yeah, Grand Canyon up to Page, like it is bonkers. Just one state, how differing of views and things to do there is. Yeah, domestic travel is in and, and that's all right for now. Oh, absolutely. I just love driving up to Sedona and you get within like maybe 30 minutes of there and suddenly someone just flipped a light switch and now all the rocks are red and you're like, oh, red rocks, this is amazing. And then you're like, oh man, I'm looking at like millions and millions of years of like glaciers melting and all this stuff. It's so wild. And then, yeah, you get up to Flagstaff like a little bit higher and it's, oh, we can have like nice like snow packs. You know, there's still snow in the mountains, like even into the spring and summer a lot of times. And then, yeah, go get go a bit further. You hit the Grand Canyon, you know, get to Utah, like Bryce Canyon. Utah looks like Mars anyways. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> the incredible diversity. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And we're not even being paid by Arizona tourism, but we should. We should <laughs> exactly. both be getting a check. There should be a sponsor but... here. Yeah, should hit them <laughs> <All> up. Right. <laughs> So I know a lot of people, they hear things like, oh, if you want to book travel, you need to do it like on the third Tuesday of the month after the full moon and do X, Y, and Z. What's like the real deal on like when you should be booking flights? Yeah, you don't need to know when the summer solstice is or when yet the next lunar eclipse is going to be to find a cheap flight. Uh, cheap, this is the, the probably one of the most important things to take away. A flight deal can happen at Anytime, probably the most important thing, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, is just being flexible on your travel dates if you can and try to you know, avoid booking last minute. Because if you get into a situation like that, and when I say last minute, I say within 30 days of when you're going to travel, that's when you start, that's when flight prices really start to increase. Right now, if you hop on Google Flights, you can book out 11 months or if you were to book directly with the airline, the same rule applies. But trying to start looking at flight prices, one of the great tools with Google Flights is Google Flights price alerts, which are free if you have a Gmail account. So you can set up specific alerts for dates and destinations. And then every day, if the flight goes up or down in price, you'll get a notification. And again, this is free. I'm not, I promise I'm not being sponsored by Google, but it just really is the key to finding a cheap flight if you're, you know, looking at a specific um, destination and dates, just being proactive. That's just going to help you so much. But I will say, if you can be flexible on when you're actually going to be flying, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Saturday, departing and returning when your butt's actually in those seats, that is going to allow you to find a cheap flight. And really all that goes back to is just supply and demand. There's fewer people flying on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. 
which allows you to typically find a cheaper flight. Oh, I love that. And you read my mind. I was going to ask you about setting up the importance of setting alerts and stuff. So I'm glad you covered all of that. So I'd love to know, like, how can people further maximize their travel rewards? Is it important to look for those? I know you said like book from Google flights straight into the actual airline. So that seems to me like you're recommending, like, don't worry about things like whether it's like Orbitz or Expedia, where you're like booking like a flight and a hotel and a car or are any of those deals sort of ever worth it? Or is just peace? mailing it the best way to go and it'll really depend and that's what i would recommend is just to do some comparison research so let's say i'm here in minneapolis you're in phoenix and let's say i was coming to phoenix to visit you i would first do some research on what's the flight alone write that down and then compare it to yeah if we want to do a package deal maybe it makes sense maybe not maybe you can use some points and miles maybe sign for sign up for a hilton credit card and get your you know, hotels for free, but that's just starting to think like, like a thrifty traveler is how can I reduce the various costs? So if I can get a flight for free using miles, great. If I can use points, hotel points via a, a credit card sign up for free, that'll further reduce the cost. And if you can knock out your hotel cost and your flight cost, man, that really frees you up to to see more and uh, and spend less. I mean, that's really just the fundamental principles of, of us here at Thrifty Traveler. So where do you envision taking Thrifty Traveler like over the next decade? If you're having this experience of Google Flights has helped decouple the, the flight from the hotel or something like that, where it's, oh yeah, you were going to use all your like Expedia rewards or, or whatever it's going to be. Do you plan on having any offerings like that where you bring those things back together independently where it's like you have a thrifty traveler card and then you've like created deals with whether it's various airlines or hotel chains or things of that nature? Yeah, a credit card has been discussed amongst our team, but yeah, we've never really taken it past. That would be like the coolest thing. Right now, our primary service beyond just the tips and tricks and reviews and and whatnot at thriftytraveler.com. Back in 2017, I started a, a flight deal email alert service called Thrifty Traveler Premium. So we're going on over four years now with that. And that's really, that's our bread and butter at Thrifty Traveler and how we've been able to grow. So essentially people subscribe for uh, $5.99 per month or $45 a year. And then they get to choose what their departure city is in the US or Canada. And we will just send you emails to your inbox whenever we find them. And that can be any day of the week, anytime we find any mistake fares or anything or error fares or anything like that. We send those your way as well. And they're domestic or international deals. And that's really the best way that we can help people is just send those cheap flights their way. One might be a deal to Cancun, we could head south to Tulum, or it might be a flight to New Hampshire or Boston or somewhere in the Northeast. And that's like that whole, it goes back to our mantra of just keeping an open mind and being flexible. And that is the ticket to saving a bunch of cash on travel. Oh, it's really cool. I'm definitely going to have to hop on that, just especially after the last like year, 18 months or so. It's, yeah, ready to rock. Let's go somewhere. Let's make it happen. You're, yeah, just what is, yeah, what is going to pop up? Because even on our side, the windows, when those like, Tokyo deals that we were talking about popped up. We didn't see that coming and it just popped up and then it disappeared. And then the next week, the shift was like deals for Europe and then that shifts somewhere else in the world. So there's no crystal ball and you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. And it's exciting because at least on our side, the business side, you absolutely never know what you're going to see on a daily basis, which, which is fun, I think for everybody. 
Yeah, I love that. You just can go with the flow, see what the universe has in store for you. Exactly. So, Jared, I'd love to know, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? Yeah, yeah. So many failures because no, I always like to think of no, no business is like a straight line of success. <laughs> There's a lot of stumbles and pitfalls. One of the ones that we have had is I wanted to be, when Thrifty Traveler first started in 2015, literally my mom was the only person who read it, I think for the first few months. And we wanted to be just about points and miles. And then over time, it was quite obvious based on the traffic we were getting with our cash flight deals that that was really the ticket. And we, over the time, have just pivoted to wherever the interest was. I thought I was creating a, a website all about points and miles. And ultimately today, I mean, we are primarily known for cash flight deals. I mean, we've tried to, one of the things that we failed at is we created a online, what we call Thrifty Traveler University, an online course. And we thought people would be very interested in learning about how to travel on the cheap online because we had had so much success doing these informal seminars. I think we had done a, a few, maybe around 10 of these in person in Minneapolis and a few other uh, nearby cities. And they were super successful. And everybody's like, you got to bring this online. And then when we did bring it online, it just really didn't work. It didn't, it was not nearly as successful as, as our Thrifty Traveler premium service. And that was a little difficult. And what I think what our team thought people wanted and what they actually wanted, there was definitely a mismatch. And that's, that's not always obvious until it's in the rear view mirror, but anyone who's successful fails time and time again. And that's the only way I think you're ever successful long-term. Oh, I totally agree. That's really cool. It seems like people are just like, no, I don't want to learn how to do this. I want you to tell me. I, this is just like one of those things. People want it one way or the other, but they decided there. It seems. Yeah. People wanted to actually be a part of a group of like a hundred people instead of just by themselves online. Like they wanted to meet mm. other people in person, like-minded travelers. And I think that was like the X factor that we just didn't realize what made our, our seminar so special. Oh, very interesting. It was that sort of social aspect. Fascinating. Yeah. Cool. So Jared, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? Oh, the book question. So probably <laughs> one of my fa favorite recent books I have read is Atomic Habits. And I don't know if you've heard of it. I know it's like a New York oh, Times James Clear. Oh yeah. Great one. Yes. And that's has literally changed my changed my life during the pandemic. Things like just how to create good habits. That's all we everyone wants to do for the most part, but they, it is uh, surprisingly difficult to do. And I thought that book made it super simple. I, I started reading. I was like, this book is ridiculous. There's no way this is going to do anything for me. But I, I really enjoyed it. Let's see some other interesting books. I love to read history as well, just to learn about the mistakes that other um, people make, especially U.S. history. And I was reading uh, a book about the U.S. Civil War General William Tecumseh Sherman. That one was by James Lee, I think, McDonough. That was a great one. Obviously not really about business or travel. What else? Another one for hiring people is the book Who, because hiring is one of the most difficult things from a business perspective and learning how to hire correctly and fill the right seats within your business is a difficult one and not something that you just know it's you, you have to learn but i thought the the who book um, was a great one as well so i think that's my three
Oh, cool. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that one. That's that's interesting. I'll check that out. Love it. Jared, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's obviously got to promote Thrifty Traveler. It would just say cheap flights now, thriftytraveler.com. And I want that in every major city in the United States. There you go. If you will it, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> So who have been some of your heroes throughout your life and how do they help or inspire you? What I've had, I was raised by great parents and, and grandparents. And I think and I've had some great teachers and I think that would be probably be yeah, my personal heroes would be yeah family members and, and teachers, which I think you take all that stuff for granted when you're younger. And uh, I know some of us weren't always the best kids or teenagers or even young adults <laughs> and, and took all of that stuff for granted. And, and once you start getting into your 30s and 40s, you know, I think you start really appreciating that. And I, I'd say that'd be who my personal heroes would be for sure. Oh, great answer. So what advice would you give to a smart, driven college student about to enter the real world? And what advice should they ignore? Hmm. Oh, I would say that grades are not the most important thing, but they are important, especially when you're coming out of college. So just trying to shoot somewhere in the middle on the grades and your drive and how much you passion that you have for something, just trying to show and dazzle. I think your future employers with what you can offer is just so important. I, I come from a business owner's perspective and I'm always looking to hire and I just, I want to see certain things in people. Like one of the big things during job interviews is people don't know enough about your business before they step into the interview, which mm -hmm. is mind boggling because yeah. they want a job, but yet they're not even willing to spend 20 to 30 minutes researching your company. And that, I think, doing your research and interview process is just going to set you apart. Oh, totally. So it's like so it's such a kind of crazily low bar, but it really does make a difference. And it's not obvious until I think you've had a few interviews or you're, you've had a first job. And it's like one of those things that it's a hard light bulb moment to connect that that's the importance of that. And it's so obvious afterwards, but. Yeah, I mean, if no one's told you, it's not until you get caught out and you're like, oh, shit, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know what you do. <laughs> what am I doing here? Exactly. So what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And feel free to you know, interpret the word investments as broadly as possible. Yeah, yeah. So I think the greatest investment that I have made in myself personally over the last year is just being physically fit. And obviously that's the investment of time and for sure some money. So like my day starts and I hit the gym or I go for a run and that allows me to be a, a better, you know, business owner, husband, it just, that has been the key for me. And yeah, that's an investment of time and money. I've been working out with a physical, a personal trainer, sorry. And that has been big. We could have all that stuff adds up. It's not cheap. You could probably have a, a nicer car or something, but I feel like the, uh, the dividends that uh, investing in myself physically has definitely outweighed that uh, initial investment. Oh, for sure. So beyond exercise, like what are some of your go-to self-care strategies, tactics, techniques? Yeah, trying to, from a business perspective, trying to create boundaries to not, I mean, people, no matter if you're a business owner or if you're just normal nine to five job, 
so many of us can just work and work and there's just there a lot oh, of yeah. people there's just no <laughs> end to it you run a podcast that takes time and effort and that's in addition to your normal gig it's just how to set boundaries and not let you know time get away from you and suddenly you're just an old man <laughs> or woman and you've spent your life working and what's the point of that so boundaries are important yeah i think for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs like boundaries like what are those like i don't know what yeah <laughs> so, you gotta realize so that important. before it's too late yes yeah, I've actually had a few good talks on this show, actually, about some people with different boundaries. Like some don't ever give clients their phone numbers. Some they just like, they absolutely shut everything down nine to five. They don't allow any of their employees to work after five o'clock. Obviously, it takes stuff off on weekends, which it's interesting because that's the approach I took when I started law school. My first year, I was just by myself with my kids. So I was like, hey, I'm just going to treat this as a full-time job. I'm only going to do law school when I, after I drop them off in the morning and before I pick them up. And so it was like law school happens from eight to six, it gets 50 hours a week. Other than that, I'm not going to do anything at night or on the weekends and by and large, except for a couple of like significant memos that was able to do that. And it was great because I never had any law school dreams and have stress dreams. I wasn't pulling all nighters. And meanwhile, I'd have these 22 year old kids like just killing themselves. And I'm like, would you like to take care of my children? Like, are you kidding me? This is, <laughs> this is all just your own fault. It's just, but when you're a 22 year old, you basically have no experience with time management. You probably never had a full-time job. And so law school can be like insanely challenging. But if you can draw those boundaries, like it just makes the rest of your life so much better. Yep. And that only can come from experience, it sounds like. Oh, totally. Jared, are there any quotes you think of often or that you live your life by? Oh, no, not a big fan of quotes. No, I'm more just, yeah, I'm all about the, the experience. And I love reading. That'd be about it. But I don't have any any amazing quotes on the my office wall or too, too, too interesting. No, that's cool. And it's not, most people don't say that like most people. So it's, that's a very, that's probably the most unique answer I've gotten that question. Just like not a quote guy this is its own great quote, I guess, in some ways. What are some bad recommendations that you hear in your profession and area of expertise? Oh, the yes, definitely in travel, especially booking cheap flights. We hear awful recommendations all the time. One of them that is so difficult to get because no one ever believes it. Um, is one of the big travel myths is if you clear your browser cookies that you'll somehow be able to book a cheaper flight. Oh yeah. And sure. even <laughs> I go to travel shows and I speak at travel shows and there'll be like somebody from Frommers or like someone from a big travel like company. And they'll be like, Oh, you have to clear your browser cookies. And I'm just like, that is not a thing, nor has it been a thing for the last decade. I don't know who told you that. And you, even on trips and traveling, I'll be on a train or on a boat and I'll hear somebody telling their friend that I'll be like, don't do that. Don't, it doesn't make sense. But that's one of the big things. Or like we already talked about earlier, somehow there's like a secret day of the week, like Tuesdays or Black Friday where there's cheap flights. And generally that is just not true. Yeah, it's interesting because I was talking to an SEO expert the other day and it's a similar thing. There's just these like really archaic things from like the mid to late 90s and early 2000s that was true of the web then that is no longer true whatsoever. And Google just got rid of it. I think one of the examples he brought up was like meta tags where eventually Google like 10 years ago was like, yeah, we don't give a shit about meta tags. Like, Because like back in the day, it's like a lot of kids couldn't even remember, but there used to just be websites where 
you'd scroll all the way to the bottom and say it was like a black background and you could highlight it and there would just be a ton of words there. It wasn't even like meta tags. It was literally just, I'm going to jam in a bunch of keywords at the bottom of this web page that no one can see because it's black on black text. And that's going to make me rank higher on Excite or Yahoo or whatever the other <laughs> search engines were at the time. And those things, it's just amazing to see how much staying power. Like we just love some sort of like lasting e-myth or urban legend about that. It's just, oh yeah, I've got to clear my cookies. I've got to use an incognito browser. And then yeah. I'm going to find like the magic, the magic flight is going to emerge and then people just keep refresh. That's, that's not how any of this works, but it's like so powerful, like how long that persists in people's minds. I've actually had people like get mad about it during like some of the talks that I do. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I'll talk to you afterwards and really explain in depth how this works. But people have just, it's deep sea, whether it's about SEO or whatever, they've heard this their whole life and anecdotally it appears to be true. And then when you actually give them the facts or the data behind it, then it just, it's tough. I, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of things like politics, et cetera, with, within our culture today. And I think that's just another one of them. Yeah, totally. So Jared, in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Let's see. That's a great question. I think I used to say, I literally used to say yes to any request or email or people would want to meet up for coffee. People would want to somehow ask me to do something for them. And I had a difficult time saying no. And I think that was a big thing where I just started getting spread too thin. So saying no is just so important and protecting your time how you can whenever you can. Oh, I'm glad I pierced the veil. And you <laughs> did pierce the veil. I was going to say, I say no show. to podcasts. I have said no to podcasts, but hey, no, I love doing podcasts as well. And they're always new and exciting. And I always learn something as well. Yeah, for sure. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm sure I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure my audience will learn a lot about all sorts of different travel related stuff and everything you're all about. So it's been fantastic time with you. And it brings me to my last question. And uh, that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Oh, man. The kindest thing anyone has ever done for me. I don't think I have a very exciting one. When I first got out of college, I wanted to buy a house. I could not afford it. And I, my grandparents, who definitely were a big part of my, my childhood, etc., helped me temporarily pay for uh, the home that I was in. Ultimately, I paid them back. That allowed me to essentially grow up, become a home homeowner a little bit sooner than I had expected. And that's probably one of the biggest things that made a big difference on me as a young adult. And it was definitely a very kind thing for them to do. Oh, that's, that's a great answer. And hey, kindness doesn't have to be exciting. It just has to be kind, right? Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure to get to speak with you. Thanks for having me, Pacifico. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit 
patreon.com slash the LUE podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yes.